Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited. Today we have Erin Falconer. She is an associate therapist and author of a book titled How to Break Up with Your Friends. It's her second book, correct? Correct. Her first book is How to Get Shit Done. Right. I am her target audience. (laughs) (laughs) And I started reading the friendship book and I love it. You're talking to me and I know many others as well. Oh, thank you so much. I want to ask like what inspired you? Like obviously I think friendships are just so important and they're just so overlooked. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about significant others and stuff and in the old days I feel like friendships were more valued. Mm -hmm. It was just a little more clear I think. You know you value your, your friendships, you keep your friends for a long time. Now there's a lot of different definitions and subcategories of friends and like, what are the rules? How do we communicate? When do we break up? Is it messed up to break up with friends? Right. How this book kind of came about was in a very nonlinear way, like much of the things I do in my life. I was actually for a long time researching and feeling out what would be the follow up to my first book, which, as you mentioned, is called How to Get Shit Done why women need to stop doing everything so they can achieve anything. And it really, that book is rooted in female, uh, feminine productivity and what that could and would and should look like, right? And so as I was looking for the follow-up for that book, I kind of had gone in a bunch of different directions. And I had this epiphany one night. I had been working actually on a treatment in a totally different direction. And I woke up kind of at six in the morning, half awake, half asleep. And this title, How to Break Up With Your Friends, just literally, I kind of sat up in bed and said, How to Break Up With Your Friends. And that idea sat with me all day long. And I was like, what does this even mean? And as I kind of dove into it, or else, or should I say, it wouldn't let me leave it alone, I realized that we were sitting on this potential um, that is very untapped. And that resource is our friends. And to your point, so much of what we're doing these days is just taking those friendships for granted, dialing them in. They don't, in words, they're significant, like everybody's a BFF and everybody's the most amazing and da 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 da. But in practice, we're not really actualizing those relationships in a way that could be really fortifying, really give energy as opposed to taking energy. And so in terms of productivity, I was like, wow, this is such an untapped resource that if we really reevaluate friendship and get out of the ones that aren't serving us and double down on the ones that are. And if you have holes, look for friends that can fill, you know, these roles in your lives. What an amazing source of productivity. That was kind of the genesis of it. And then you said something else really important. Um, One of my favorite psychoanalysts is called Esther Perel. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her work. Her specialization is couples therapy. And I've recently in the last six or seven months heard her talking a lot about friendship, which I'm like, oh my God, yes. (laughs) But she does it juxtaposed to couples. And she said the romantic partner these days is everything to the other person. They're the lover, they're the accountant, they're the parent, they're not only you're talking about your workout with them, you're doing yoga with them and et cetera and on and on and on. And there's no real separation of church and state, right? And that puts a ton of pressure on that partner and also then on you, right, as an active person in that partnership. And back in the day, friends took up so much of those different roles. So you had your friend that you wanted to have fun with, your friend that you could be vulnerable and mentally, emotionally intimate with. You had all of these people that would carry some of the brunt of being human as opposed to your partner. And so I think also coming out of this pandemic where uh, I've seen so many of my friends break up with their romantic others and had at least a lot of stress, friendship has become that much more important in that factor as well. Yes. And speaking of the last couple of years, I've also had lots of conversations with people and also myself who have also split up with friendships too or just re re reevaluating where you want these people in your life that's been my personal experience and so I'm not going to turn this into a full therapy session (laughs) (laughs) let's let's do it (laughs) maybe later okay but first I want to start with why do you think that people uh, what's the right word like apathetic like 
why is it like not such a big deal? Like a lot of people are like, mm, you know, I'll just get new friends. Like, why do you think people feel that way well, now? Well, I think that people feel this way because, first of all, I think the reason they feel this way is because they're scared of conflict and because they don't want to deal with what's really going on for them, what their personal problem is within the relationship. And they certainly don't want to deal with the conflict of then addressing um, and I think this is very specific and personal to women. I think it's still very challenging for us to say what we want, advocate for what we want, demand what we want. And when we do that we, in, in friendship or in any relationship, you ultimately get to a place that's far more authentic and giving. Um, and so I think there's a big fear factor. And I think when another thing that I was thinking about is um, in in therapy, in classic talk therapy, there's individual therapy, there's couples therapy, there's family therapy, nothing for friends. And so culturally, there's just no language around conflict. There's no blueprint about how to address what's really going on for you within these relationships like there are in the zeitgeist for those, other, you know, couples and family. And so I think that's also one of the things that I... I felt compelled to write this book is let's create language around this. Let's kind of demystify it and take the fear out of it because when you don't demand things of relationships, you don't get anything back. And so I think that we have this idea that friendships should just be these nice things that we have that give, 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 but that's just marginalizing them. And so I think when something's not giving energy, it's taking, there is no net neutral. Right. And so, yeah, I think once we have, a clear language around, you know, navigating context, uh, conflict, or just navigating, asking for what you want um, in these types of relationships, it'll be a lot easier to, to, to ultimately get to where you need within them. Got it. And what I love about your book is, well, the title is How to Break <laughs> Up with Your Friends, but you really, I started reading it, mm -hmm. I haven't finished yet, but it's more about you talk about valuing friendships mm -hmm. first because it's so you see all those memes like I cut people out of my life like and right. it's like as Edward Scissorhands or something. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's yeah. that whole thing. But really valuing friendships and really having some introspection like what like what are my patterns? What's going on right. with me that I want to run away or mm -hmm. break up with these friends? Yeah. And I think we're seeing more and more just like the level, the volume of chaos in our lives is so high that it's really even hard for us to identify who we are and what we want and, you know, where we are and where we want to go. And so the first step, I think, in this process is doing the self-work because otherwise you're having attachments or connections with people that are not grounded in your true authenticity, who you really are, right? If you don't know that, then you can't go out and actively seek or nurture the right relationships, friendships. I'm talking about specifically, obviously. Of course, that also goes romantically. But um, yeah, the first stop is with you, right? And it's so easy to dispose of people when you're disposing of yourself in the first place, right? When you haven't taken the time to turn the volume down on chaos, really understand what you're made of, what you want to be in the world, it's easy to dismiss other people because you're dismissing yourself uh, on a daily basis. You just don't realize it, right? And I think one of the silver linings, the very few silver linings of this pandemic is that we were going along just kind of dialing in these relationships and then quarantine started and all of these people were ripped out of our lives. And for the first time, I think people really started to be like, oh, man, I miss that person. Or, oh, wait, I don't miss that person at all. And I reference this in the book. Like, I kind of had that epiphany because right at the beginning of quarantine uh, in Los Angeles, I was getting all these invites for Zoom happy hours. I don't know if that was like the same for you. And we were like trying to recreate like seeing each other in person, right? And I had such a visceral reaction to some of those invites where I was just like, no, I don't, I'm, I'm so overwhelmed with what's going on in the world. And like, I just don't feel the need to connect with you right now. So that was a great piece of information. And I think a lot of people kind of in their own way have had that kind of experience of like, wow, I really miss this person. I could really do without this person. And now as we're starting to reemerge into, you know, kind of normal socialization, I'm seeing um, a lot of anxiety about like, now I have this information, but I'm not sure what to do with it because 
ah, do I want to have these awkward conversations? Do I just ghost people that I'm no longer interested in? Do I, you know, that feels like a lot of work. But we would really be missing the opportunity to not make really positive and intentional and meaningful change with these relationships. We have it. Like we just, we have the information. We can't unknow this now. So it's incumbent upon all of us to start acting on the things we now know. And so hopefully this book is a little bit of a blueprint on how to do that. For the self-introspection, where's a good place to start? Because I I got to the part where you talked about, think about how you friend. Like, Mm -hmm, how do you show up to friend? Is it more like activity-based? Like, what do you like to do in friendships? And I had actually never thought about that. I know it feels good to me, but I never thought about that. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think one of the most beautiful things about friendship specifically is that in a really good friendship, you kind of co-create one another. In other words, that relationship can reveal some of the best parts of you that would otherwise be untapped, right? And 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 hopefully vice versa. Bad relationships uh, end up taking you down a path that's farther and farther away from who you are, right? And so, the, again, the first step of really cultivating great friendships is understanding your own patterns and your own needs. And so, I tell this story, I think I told the story both in the first book and the second book when talking about what I'm about to say, because it's so important. And I used to run a company, like a digital company, and had a big staff working with me. And every day, or at least every week, I would go in, we'd have meetings, and somebody would run into a meeting and go, oh my God, I had this great idea. And then they'd be very excited and they'd, they'd tell the room or tell me or whoever was there. And I'd be like, that's amazing. How did you think that? How did you, how'd you come up with that? And without fail, the person would say to me, different people uh, would say to me, I don't know. I was just in the shower and it came to me. I was literally just, you know, kind of in the way that I, the title of the book came to me. You're in that kind of zone where you're not thinking about anything. And for so many people, it's that two minute shower in the morning when the hot water is hitting your face, you're massaging your head with shampoo, you're not thinking about anything else. And when you're not thinking about anything else, that's how you access the inner voice. That's where the ideas come from. That's where you get clues to who you really are and where you want to go, right? That two minutes a day, though, is not enough. And so to really kind of start to tap in to to the answers, you know, kind of what you're saying, be able to access your own behavior and your own desires and your own motivations. You've got to find a way. For me, it's meditation, but that doesn't work for everybody. People are, you know, very like, ah, that's not for me. But I say you've got to find your hot shower every day, whatever that means for you, and you have to commit to it. You've got to dial down the chaos and just sit with yourself. Because when you do, these great ideas come up. These revelations come up. All of a sudden, you're kind of being guided like a Ouija board, you know, but that's you guiding things. And so that's the first step is finding something that really works for you, whether that's a walk without a device, whether that's taking a bath without a device where you just are sitting with yourself. That's the first step and the most meaningful step. That's the place where you're coming out of a place that's grounded, that's really speaks to you authentically. And when you're then you can move throughout the world, start attracting people or consciously um, recruiting people as friends that that really make sense for you and you them. Is it important to categorize friends just so you kind of know where they are in your life? Definitely. One of the biggest kind of, I think, draws or pulls that friendships can have when you're not clear is this expectation around what is the expect this my expectation of this person and she of me and you know often those expectations are misaligned right so you can think this person is like the best part your best friend ever and she can be a phase in her life where maybe she has a newborn or she's starting a new career and and you're just not in that tier for whatever reason you, you what you're bringing to the table doesn't match up with that so you want to be very clear about who's in your life are you interfacing with them a lot? And does that make sense? Is there somebody else you could be interfacing with more now based on where you're at? And you can start switching people around. And again, it's just energetically. It's not necessarily that you like pick up the phone and say, listen, I need to schedule you for only one time a month. And like, it's not calculated in that way, but it's energetically and mentally calculated where it's like, let me just get clear 
on the landscape of the people in my life. And it's funny because as a society, especially here in LA, and I think, but I think kind of all over the place, we're so obsessed with like how many calories we're eating and everybody's walking around with an Apple watch tracking every single step yeah. <laughs> that they're taking. And then the Marie Kondoing of it all, like everybody's now very intentional about their space and like, do I really need this? And let's declutter. And yet when we think about these the people in your life, which really should be the most important thing going on. Yeah. There's no, nobody's checking in on it. <laughs> nobody's auditing it. It's just kind yeah. of like happening. And that again, to like the beginning, when we talk about from a productivity standpoint, that's nuts, right? When you step back and you go, how could we be so thoughtless, so laissez-faire about these like major energy sources? And yet I need to know every single step I take. Even when I'm waking up in the middle of the night to take a pee, I need to know that I just track 10 steps. You know, it's insane. So and imbalanced. And so I think if we would put shift some of the energy towards that and getting really clear on, you know, I have this litmus test where it's like if, if your phone rings and you see a name on the call display and you're like, yeah. oh, my God, I I want to I want to answer this. And then you see a, 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 the phone rings again and it's somebody else, another friend. And you go, oh. This is good information, Kat, right? <laughs> we shouldn't just be like, so like, those are two very different scenarios. You yeah. might want to look into that. You might want to really cultivate what's going with the excitement of clicking in and mm -hmm. try and realign expectations or else get out of um, the person that you're having a major eye roll with, you know? And that's just your gut reaction to seeing that person's name on your call display. And then another thing you want to get kind of clear at on is what is your role in these relationships? Like I'm, for example, somebody that's like the fixer, right? Like I'm the person that people call if they're like, oh my God, I've got an important job interview. Should I play it this way? Or, oh my God, um, I'm in, in, the, in this family altercation. What should I do? That's good information to have, right? Because as you're exploring your own self, I realized, for example, that because I'm that role, when I looked at it, I realized I'm really afraid to show vulnerability because I, my persona is very like, I'm the, you have a problem. I've got the answers, but I would never show the side of me that was like, I'm disappointed or I'm sad or I'm upset because I felt subconsciously, I guess that it would re ruin my cred, you know, in, in my role. So when you start examining that and the role you play for people, you can then say, okay, if I want to be really real and authentic, I can still lead with, I'm hopefully people will come to me, you know, as a voice of reason or to problem solve. But I also want to open myself up and kind of open up the aperture on me as a person of what I can give and what I can share because that's, you know, everybody needs support and to feel heard and seen, not just problem solve or, you know, invite either, as I talk in the book, there are many different roles that you can kind of portray consistently in friendship. And so you want to just be conscious of that. That's great information to have because then you can work on giving more of yourself or giving less of yourself, depending on, you know, what role you show up for in friendship. So all of that information and the kind of categorizing, even though it sounds kind of cold, is really necessary. Do you think it's necessary to always talk about something? Sometimes I feel like there is mutual, like both kind of get it, like we're not hanging out as much. Mm -hmm. I mean, every, it's just so hard because that's relationships. Everyone's different. Yeah. And some people just like to talk about everything right. like into the ground. That's right. when it drives me crazy. I'm like, right. is this necessary? Because yeah, right, right. it actually it makes me uncomfortable too. Right. And, and I'm not a big talker. So talking doesn't energize me right. where maybe right. for the other person it does. Right. So in general, do you think for clarity, talking about it, even if it's a well, little thing, is important? Um, okay. Well, first of all, that's good information to know about yourself, right? That's also good information to share with that friend and be like, listen, I understand you want to talk about everything. That's not the way I'm built. So this is actually a source of uh, irritation for me. Like we have to find a happy medium if we're going to – because I don't want to leave every time we hang out like or every time we have like the smallest conflict feeling depleted. Mm -hmm. That's not – what good relationships are about, right? I think, again, the information part is the most, like understanding, like I'm not built like that. So you have to find people, um, at least I think on your inner circle that understand that and kind of operate in the same way. Because otherwise, again, those are, those are relationships that are taking, not giving. I do think the big stuff you do have to address because 
you, what I see a lot of people doing myself included is like, I have, I tell a story in the book. I, I have a friend who I love and she actually lives on the East side. I live on the West side. So of course, you know, getting together is challenging, but every time we get together, she's late, but really late, like not five minutes or 10 minutes. She's like 20, 30 minutes late. Other than that, she's fantastic. But I was getting in this situation where I was getting so angry every time. And then by the time she showed up, I was just so relieved that she showed up. I'm like, yeah, okay, thank God she's here. Now this can start. I would end up talking myself out of saying something, right? I was like, oh, you know, she's probably stressed. And of course, she would always arrive with like a story of why she was so late, which then would eat into our time also hanging out because now I'm hearing this excuse, you know, for five, 10 minutes of why she was late. And I have to sit there going, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, oh, that's terrible, you know? So every time I would end up talking myself out of it, but then what I realized is, and this is after like years of this, I stopped making plans with her and it would be longer and longer uh, in between us hanging out. And I would kind of always find excuses of why, you know, I couldn't meet her. And so it started to drive a real wedge in our relationship. In fact, one of the Zoom invites that I got was that I had a big eye roll about was this friend. And that moment was really catalyzing for me because I was like, I can't believe I had this reaction. This is like one of my really good friends, like from a long time, you know? And I was like, wow, the only real problem we have is that she's late. And because I didn't bring this up and I pushed it down, it manifested itself in another way. And that was my avoidance of, of wanting to see her because I wasn't reflecting upon that. I just kind of let that happen to the relationship. So I, did an experiment for the book where I brought, where I bring this up to her and I kind of explore real time, everything I was going through, trying to explain to her what was wrong. And, um, it, anyways, it, it worked out pretty interesting. It all worked out, but it was tense, you know, and it was a lot bigger than it had to be if I just brought it up as it was happening, as opposed to letting it like, because some things are just small things. And then some things cumulatively are actually big things. And so I think you have to make that judgment call for yourself. It, you know, is it like, oh, she just irritated me this one time? Or is this a pattern of behavior that cumulatively is just taking a lot of my energy and I don't want to deal with it? Then it's worth it to bring it up because then it becomes a problem unto itself that's much harder to manage. I love that because I, I view people being late, maybe a same pain mm. point or it just yeah. it irritates me so yeah. much, especially if I've communicated it and I understand not everyone's good at managing managing yeah. their time but what you said in the book it it show that person's showing you how they feel about your right, time right so for me if I have communicated to you that this is important to me mm -hmm. I value my time a lot right and if it's still happening like it doesn't work for me at least yeah. not in my immediate circle right, right and at first I was like is that too harsh of a line to draw I don't but well, it, I hope not yeah <laughs> but I, I yeah I realized over the years I'm like no it's not like at least acquaintance once in a while sure. fine but if it's habitual chronic right it doesn't work for me right right yeah give me an example of your friend that wants to talk about everything like is there any can you think of an example I um if not, no pressure. But I'm just. This was more back in the day. Most of my friends now, I'm I'm better at curating now, or right. or they get me now. Right, but right. I would just get so comfortable, uncomfortable when they'd be like, like we need to talk, or uh -huh. can we talk? Right. I hated that. I was just right. like, oh, well, because it adds another layer. Totally. Like you, I feel like I'm in trouble or yeah. something. <laughs> right. Like prepping me, like we're gonna go deep when <laughs> yeah. you come over. I'm like, I don't want to come over. Oh um, but I just, I just, I do notice that. But I bring that up also because. Um, with some of my friendships the last couple years, I I didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. I just kind of let it go, mm -hmm. you know, and we haven't really talked since then. Nothing necessarily bad happened right. if I were to bump into them. Like, I want them to be happy. Right. There would probably be a little bit of awkwardness because we both know, like, oh, we all of a sudden haven't talked in a right. couple years. Right. But I just kind of didn't say anything. So I think my uh, challenge is like when to say something or is because that's my feeling like right. do we need to say something right. or, or I I don't think assumptions are good but I 
I may like I might make this assumption like, oh, they know and they're busy. You know, she just had a yeah. kid well, and I'm working on my business and it is what it is. Yeah. Well, Do I, I need th- to say something? I think that that's I think that that's fine. If it's something that's coming up and bothering you, you know, you know, you know, uh, once a week, I'm just making up the time frame. But like if it is c- habitually coming into your mind, that might be a key to be like, hey, I'm just going to reach out and say, I know we haven't talked in a while. Um, I know we're in different places. Uh, I just wanted to know, let you know I'm thinking of you and hope all's well in your world. And you, you could do that. If it's not coming up for you and you're just reflecting on it right now as we're talking, I think that's fine because it feels like the expectation piece is aligned for both of you. I think what happens a lot is that one person often feels like this isn't working for me right now. And a good example was the, fr- the the friend that I was just talking about that was always like, she just kept relentlessly trying to hang out. And it was me that was like, ah, ah. And so those expectations are not aligned, right? So I'm feeling like I don't want to hang out with you. And I'm not sure why. Um, she's feeling major frustration because she keeps trying to reach out to me and she's like, what's your problem? You know what I mean? And this kind of getting hurt or irritated or whatever it is. So those, those expectations aren't aligned. That's a much different scenario than what you're talking about where there's kind of just like a natural chasm that's happened, you know, over time. And because there are no hard feelings, it's open to for you guys to re engage when life switches again. But yeah, so I don't think that's a huge problem, but I do think if it's something that's coming up a couple of times, it's worth it to just s- say something nice and and not instigating getting back to, you know, hanging out, but just like, I just wanted to let you know I'm thinking of you. I hope you're well. It's a nice thing to hear, and if you mean it, of course, and um, yeah, it's not necessary. What is a good way to communicate with someone when you're talking about, like, maybe someone wants to hang out with you and you're feeling like you don't want to hang out as much. Mm -hmm. What's like a polite way to communicate that to someone? Well, I think you have to just say, listen, I just want to be clear on your expectations of what this can be right now. It's not a reflection of my feelings for you. It's a reflection of where I'm at in life. And I don't have the bandwidth to maintain the pace with which this relationship has historically been. Uh, again, it's not a reflection, but I just want to be clear with you so that it's not if you're like reaching out to me to hang out, it's not personal. It's where I'm at in life. It has nothing to do with you if that's if that's kind of what you're saying. But if you if you put it back on yourself, which it is, it's a choice you're making. You don't want to make up excuses necessarily like, oh, and create some fictitious thing that's going on to avoid hanging out with them. If there's something real that you don't want reason you don't want to hang out with them, I think you always give the person a gift as long as it's packaged nicely, you know, by telling them the truth. It might not save your friendship, but that person then can go out in the world and operate a little differently. And I think there's a lot of respect. It's hard to say those things, but there's a lot of respect on the other side of it. Um, once they calm down. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, not all people are, you know, not all people can receive criticism or the truth. So, but it's always best to err on that you know, this, that side. But again, if it's just a life, if it's a phase of life thing, being honest about that is good. Right. And I, I I think like for me that that was highlighted the most when I had my son, where it was like, I don't know what I thought I was going to be doing, but man, it radically changed overnight. And a lot of the friends I had that I required any driving to go to at all, it was no reflection on them. It was just like, that's out. It's just not possible. And then surprisingly, like a couple of uh, well, one girlfriend in particular that didn't have a uh, a baby was happened to be very close to me in my neighborhood, just a proximity thing. And we got super close, even though she didn't have a child yet. You know what I mean? And so you never know where it's going to land. But I think like it's totally fine to be like, I just don't have capacity. I, I just don't have the bandwidth. Um, and it's not personal. I just want to be clear. So you don't aren't sitting there like guessing what's going on. I'm just feeding it to you right now. At what point should someone end a friendship? Like what are signs of an unhealthy friendship? Yeah. So this is a good, a very good and important question, of course. I just want to be clear on something and I like the way you phrase that. In my opinion, that's the correct way to phrase it. I hear a lot, you know, she's toxic, he's toxic. And it's about the other person. And I need 
really want to be clear, relationships, it's about the relationship. You have a responsibility in that relationship just as much as that the other person does, right? So it's not about some person, unless they're objectively, you know, personality disordered or, you know, the outlier. But I'm talking about normal relationships that have gone sour. The other person could be provoking, but it is your acceptance and your continued acceptance up until that point that has allowed it to go on. Often people that you fall out with have plenty of other friendships that are working, right? And so I think the first thing is you need to t accept your own responsibility and like, how did I allow this to get here? Even if I think the other person has been a terrible person, why did I let this go on? What was my role? What did I need from that to keep myself in it, right? Good information to have. The second thing is, you just want to be as clear as you can. And actually, the big kind of red flag for me about, you know, who is truly what what relationships are truly toxic are the relationships that get you further, furthest away from who you are um, emotionally or behaviorally. So if you're feeling particularly worked up every time you see a person, but normally you're calm and cool, but somehow this is, you know, this relationship brings up in you angst, that's a good, that's a red flag. That's somewhere where you are not, that's not your default setting. You're off of who you are. If you're somebody that is, let's say, like kind of an introvert, a stay-at-home kind of person, or dinners, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, and all of a sudden you're finding yourself out at loud bars and, or, you know, concerts, which is not necessarily your drive, and you're doing things that are not really integral to who you are, this is another red flag. Like, why am I doing this? Because often those things really deplete you, right? Because that's not integrally who you are. So you want, again, it comes back to you. It's not about what the other person is doing. It's how you're feeling in that relationship and in the presence of that other person, how you're behaving when you're with that person. It's not about the other person. How, what, what are you doing within that relationship? So <clears throat> often I'll hear people say, and she did this and she did that. Okay. That's those, that's just details. You should be talking about when she did this, this is how I felt. When she did that, this is how I felt. That's how you can get really clear on what's working and what's not working for you. Often the behavior of the other is a clue, right? <laughs> She's like <laughs> talking shit about you behind your back or stuff. You know, that's that's legitimate stuff. But it's like, how did how did I even invest in this friendship? And how do I feel when I hear that she's... Because when you identify how you feel you're not apt to make the same mistake twice. You're not in, apt to fall into those types of behaviors that got you there in the first place. When you talk about outward events, she did this or he you know, did this or that, then you can dismiss your own responsibility. Then you can fall right back into the same thing because it's completely reliant on the other person's behavior as opposed to your own behavior and your own role in the mix. You want to like end, you obviously want to end uh, relationships that are toxic in the true sense of the word. But there are also a lot of relationships that you want to end just because they've run their course and continuing them will kind of denigrate the good stuff that you had in the past. And again, it's kind of like you've got these relationships spinning in your your hard drive and you don't really realize it on a day-to-day -day basis, but they're drawing energy out of you. And so it's better to kind of have closure on something and get out in front of it than allow them to kind of drag on and take your energy with it. It's not the easiest thing to do, but it's a really necessary thing to start practicing. And in the book, I have, um, I don't think you've probably gotten there yet. Maybe you have. If you started with the chapter on how to break up with your friends, you might yet. Spoiler alert. So how do you do it? I have different scenarios and different literally scripts, like starting point conversations on how you can get the ball rolling based on different scenarios to kind of dive into the conversation okay and also it, you know I always think if not in person a voice is the best way to do it but if you know the other person well and you know it won't be received in other words they'll just behave so defensive that they won't receive any of the information that you're sharing then I think it is okay to send an email or a text as long as that's about the other person and not you because you're you what you want to do especially if it's if it's a toxic situation, that's a little different. But if it's somebody that really that relationship did have meaning in your life in some point, you want to pay it as much respect as you can. And that's obviously having the courage to say something as face to face as you can. But if it's not again, if it's not something that you think the other person will receive, 
um, well, then then an email or a text or whatever or a voice message can get the job done. How can a person be a good friend? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so well, we have to kind of go back to school on this because we've forgotten. Um, the first thing, and we've talked about this, so I won't talk a lot about it, but the first thing is understanding yourself. I think the, the only way to be the best friend you can is to start with yourself. The next thing is, again, because we're living in such a chaotic time. You know, for me, when I was working at the, my company and life would get busy, the first thing I would do is, the, you know, the drink with friends out, right? Like I need to do, 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 do. And it feels counterintuitive, but the, the drink with friends, if it's with a meaningful friend, is so important because all of a sudden that can provide you the energy you need to get through whatever busy time you're, you're in, right? So the, the next thing is the commitment really committing to, and that's why the work to do your inner circle and figure out who really, what relationships are really providing value, then you need to commit to those and say, and whatever the frequency is that works for both of you, I am committing to a phone call a week. I am committing to an in-person a month, once a month, again, numbers, whatever. Um, and not click the, you know, it's so easy to cancel plans. I'm like the the guiltiest person when it comes to that. Like when I get an email, they're like, I'm sorry, can we reschedule? I'm like, yeah, (laughs) but that's not good. That's really messed up. Right. And so that was good information for me. And so the commitment to it, very important. And then when you do meet with the person, it's better to schedule less time with that person, but not have a phone in the mix, not bring your work or your whatever, just be in a place of calm where you really, your your goal is to connect with other, this other person. And if there's something going on in your life you want to talk about, that's great too. And you don't leave all your problems at the door. You want to be real. But you want to be really intentional. You want to be actively listening. Often like what's said with words is way less important than what the nonverbal cues. So somebody can be, you know, somebody that's in distress or stress is saying this as a distraction, but all of their energy is saying something else. As a really good friend, you want to be paying attention to that. Say, hey, what, oh, you're saying this, you, you, you're just like a hot mess in front of me. What's going energetically? What's going on? You know, sort of really be there for somebody and then also demand that they are there for you in that way. They show up for you in that way. So again, as opposed to like, even if you can only do that for half an hour, it's better to like hang with that person for half an hour and really be there than like two hours with drinks in a noisy place and you're scrolling your phone. Mm-hmm. That's not, it's nice to see that person, but that's not doing anything for you or her energetically. Right. And so you really want to be able to make these things uh, mean something. And then finally, I think the idea of ritual is really important and something that we've forgotten. So like finding something that you and the other person like that's kind of your thing and you don't need to always do it. But like why ritual is important is that then we go when we go through times of stress or we go through times of hardship it's so easy to be like that's I want to do that with that person and you've got you've connected an energy around something that you guys really enjoy doing together and it's hard to like undo a ritual so I think it really builds strength in the relationship where it's like this is our thing maybe it's that we go for tea and we da 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 maybe it's that we go for a hike and that's my thing. And we like, it, it, you obviously the, not locked into that with that person every time you meet them, but having that thing that you kind of identify with the relationship is very impactful for the relationship. How is it, how important is it to want to do those committed things? Because I, for example, there's some things I clearly just want to do, you know, and energizes right. me. I want to be there. And there's other things where, Maybe this is myself judging myself, but like I feel bad, but I'm like, I don't want to go. Like, I don't want to go to your kid's birthday party. I don't, you oh. know, like, well, stuff you like have that. to not, yeah, but that's good. That's knowing you, that's knowing who you are and setting that expectation. And I think that's exactly right. Just because somebody's throwing a birthday party, just because somebody's having a bachelorette party or a, or a bridal shower or whatever, you have to be very protective of your bandwidth because if that's not your thing, Unless it's so, so, so important to that person. But but that person has a birthday every year, right? It's not like this is a one and only. If it were maybe like a graduation, that's only happening once. Maybe I'd look a little more leniently on like, well, if this is like a milestone for your friend, 
then that might be worth the sacrifice. But if it's just like one of these things that whether your presence there or not really doesn't move the needle, then you have to be very protective of, of your own bandwidth and your time is better spent with that person doing something that is like sharing a meal where it's intimate and it's, you know, then that's what you need to lean into. It's not running around trying to fulfill obligations that don't speak to you or move somebody else's agenda, make somebody else feel better. That's not true friendship, right? You got to be careful that you are not constantly defaulting into the selfish, but what you're explaining to me does not seem like that. That seems somebody, like somebody that is aware of what their boundaries need to be and are actively working on those. And that's totally fine. That's just authentic, right? It's not laziness. That's just not your comfort zone. And so, okay, that's not trying to change anybody in relationship, right? It's like, let's just activate the parts of ourselves that really work with this other person and where they're at. And if that person is like, gets crazy because you don't go to their kid's birthday party, I, that's also good information to have, but it's not reflective of you are of, of your position. I think it's more reflective of where they're at. And maybe you should have a conversation about that, but you know, it's not your absence that's the problem. As long as you, yeah, as long as you don't say, well, I'm coming and then not show up, you know, then that's rude. <laughs> but, yeah. but if I, you know what I mean? But like, but no, I think it's, I think it's fine to like, that's where you're at right now. Okay. Yeah. Cause the feeling. Okay. Yeah, the feeling that I get is like, I feel bad or like, I wish I wanted to. Uh, sometimes I, I'll say that to myself, like, I wish I wanted to like do that for her, but I don't want to do it no, for her. I think that's fine. So. I have a really good friend, really, really good friend who uh, who doesn't have kids, but that's not, she's a very social person, much more social than me. She also has a little more free time because she doesn't have a kid. And she invites me to like so many things. But I have the type of relationship with her where she said to me once, is it, should I keep inviting you to these things? And I was like, I'm happy to be invited to these things. You just need to understand that I'm going to only say yes to about 5%. So if you can deal with the fact that this is not a rejection of you, this is just, I'm one out of 10 things will speak to me in a way that I will get in my car on a Thursday night and drive. And as long as you don't take that personally, keep inviting me. If it's something where you're going to feel like you're being rejected every time I say no, then definitely don't keep inviting me. Because just from a, a numbers game, you're going to get hurt nine out of 10 times. If you that's not the case and you would just like it if I come, but if I don't, that's fine too. Well, keep inviting me because I will probably show up five, 10% of the time. I've heard a lot of women say it's, it's getting harder mm -hmm. to make friendships and meet new people. Yeah. Where can people go? <laughs> meet people like what what's a good way to go right about it i'm hearing that i'm hearing that so much too um and good news that's the last chapter in my book it's out of it. it's <laughs> maybe one nugget you can share one little nugget <laughs> <laughs> and um and it's called how to make new friends and it is challenging it's like especially i feel like coming out of like two years of isolation i just see it all the time like there's a social awkwardness people are forgetting to like like basic politeness. So never mind that, just getting through the, you know, getting a coffee or ordering something in a restaurant without having some kind of like rude behavior, <laughs> either from me or them. I'm not just, I'm not, it goes both ways. Um, to make new meaningful friendships is challenging. And it is kind of weird because we don't, again, approach this as dating. Like if it's dating, it's like, I'm getting on the apps. I'm getting on the, I'm having my, I'm putting it out to my friends, set me up, I'm available. And so there are all these other you know, channels kind of that you can go out and find not, it's very, that's also very difficult to, to find a good romantic partner that way. I'm not minimizing that, but there just is not that stuff for friendship. So it's kind of weird where it's like, I'm actively seeking new friends. And I think you do have to do that once you've done the work in the book to really feel like, okay, where are the holes in, in my current circle? Okay. Now I need to do something about it. I think just the awareness, first of all, that you're actively looking for some like friendship, I think that all, all of a sudden becomes magnetizing. So I think just making the conscientious choice that, hey, uh, you know, one of my New Year's resolutions is that I'm, I'm going to, you know, be more social and, you know, try and encourage friendship in my life. Just the act of being conscious about that and intentional, again, I think is magnetizing. So I think probably you'll see more opportunities come pop up um, just because your awareness level is higher. 
I'm also seeing friendship groups like uh, there's Peanut, you know, which is the app for which is for new moms. But it's it's the the whole thing behind it. I actually interviewed Michelle Kennedy for the book, who's the the founder of Peanut. And the idea was, was she was really struggling and she was like, I have all of these moms by proximity, but they're not my people. And I need to now actively go out and find people that are speaking my moms that are speaking my language because I'm literally losing my mind and I can't just be friends with somebody like and hear conversations about um, natural birth or I didn't, you know, C-section. And she's just like, oh, my God, like I can't I need to find the people that I really resonate with. And so that's like a social networking site to find friends. It's very it's narrow because it's for new moms. But it's probably a good thing if you if you are looking for that. Right. Right. right exactly. But I, I the point is, I think these things, these kind of almost like apps for friendship are going to start coming out because it is challenging. And I mean, we're still not out of the weeds with COVID. So even when we go somewhere, it's not like we're like, oh, we're at least high <laughs> and like shaking hands and getting in people's faces and trying to be engaging or because it's just like uh, kind of dangerous. <laughs> you know, <what> I mean? <laughs> Like nobody wants to get sick. So it is so isolating and alienating. But I do think it's important to find groups, real like in-person friends, because I think it's while it's nice to have kind of a digital support system and, and kind of find like connection and bonding through these online things. The important, really important thing for me is seeing people in person because you vibe off their energy, physical touch. I mean, which we're not doing right now, but even just like a hug, hello, or a whatever does wonders for, for people physiologically, emotionally. Um, and so those in-person connections are really important. And I talk a lot about in, in that chapter, just ways to do that, finding groups that like speak to, you know, if you're an avid hiker, then find a hiking group, you know, they exist. If you are somebody that like loves to eat, find a restaurant club, you know, that are like, you have to put yourself out there. You don't want to just do it willy-nilly. You want to do things that really speak to who you are, and then you'll find like-minded people. But yeah, it takes an effort, but it's worth it. Absolutely. Effort and time, time. as well. I feel like if you repeatedly see... That's how I've made all my friends. Yeah. Either we you know, work together in mm -hmm. an office or like dance class or yoga. Right. You just see the same people, yeah. and over time, it becomes naturally very right. intimate. I'm like, right. I know a lot about you. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's true too. Like when you're in the th the thing that you're always doing, like let's say a yoga class and you're like really vibing with the person, now I would say just be intentional and say, hey, would you like to get coffee? You know, would you like to get grab a coffee before class or after class and just take it, to, which is like sounds like dating, but it's not, but okay. <laughs> you know, that's fine. I mean, you're not trying to date that person, but you are trying to like set something up different or more involved than what is currently going on. And that's a great litmus test. If you're like already really connecting with this person, that's a good place to start. It's just, we don't really think about it because again, that's such dating uh, protocol where it's like, oh, I kind of like, I'm kind of feeling this guy or girl and oh, okay, I'll ask them for a drink. We don't really do that with friends, but we should with potential friends, but we should. How about for someone who doesn't feel confident? Because I, f I feel like, I well, there's been times I have not been confident. I think more so in other areas in life, but I can tell when someone is looking for friends, mm -hmm. but they feel like they're not like deserving. Like, like is this person going to like me? Like, I right. feel that energy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And naturally people, you know, they, they gravitate towards people usually who are a little more confident or just, mm -hmm. you know, it's like an even exchange of energy. Yeah, yeah. So with s someone who is struggling with confidence in making friends, mm -hmm. what's something that they can do? Should they go to therapy or like? Well, I think the first thing is, is among therapies, I think, oh, is a good idea with a good therapist. But I, I think that's a good example of where um, that person has a little bit of work to do on themselves, right? To understand like, why do I not feel valuable? Why do I not feel, not everybody's going to walk in the room, like, you know, with a head raised and the shoulders back and, you know, just bring the energy. But there's a big difference between somebody being a little more introverted and a little shy versus somebody feeling undeserving. undeserving. Yeah. That's different. Right. And so those people obviously deserve friends just as much as anybody does. The problem with that is that I find that what happens with relationships where there's one person that's very confident and one person that doesn't feel as deserving, 
that kind of becomes the center energy of that relationship. Either that while the person is constantly reaffirming, reaffirming that the person does, um, does deserve friendship or the, that person is constantly second guessing that they should even be in this relationship in, in the first place. Right. And so that's not really getting down to like why two people, how these two people are connecting on a friendship level. That's got a lot of kind of baggage that you're working through that can be difficult for a relationship, especially as a starting point. Having said that, the best way to prove you're worthy, worthy is to get out there and put yourself out there. And I think you will find that people are receptive and can see past um, maybe some baseline insecurities. If it's deeper than a baseline insecurity, though, I mean, I think the first person you want to connect with is yourself. It's, it's just I think that's going to be your quickest way back out into the world in, in, in a way that you want to be seen and feel. Yeah, it just seems like, well, with confidence building, I, I feel like when you're just doing it more, mm -hmm. it right. just seems less scary. Oh, and then absolutely. that's yes. an easy way to build confidence. Totally. And that's the thing. The first thing, if you are just scared about friends, about like, how do I get new friends? This is awkward. I don't know. I'm not the person that shines in any room. Like, how am I going to? That's very different than just like, I'm a piece of shit. Why would anybody like me? Th those are two very different, like, you know, uh, psychological profiles. So don't get confused if you're just nervous and not quite social. The best way to get to the other side of that is through action. Get out of your head and get into action. And so putting yourself out there, putting yourself in social situations that make sense for you, um, it becomes easier and easier. And then all of a sudden, it's just habitual. Hard to do at first, but with practice, becomes second nature. Awesome. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for coming on yeah. and talking about this. I can't wait to finish the book. <laughs> Where's it available? Um, everywhere that you get books, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, Indie Books. And yeah. if people would like to reach out to you directly, what's yeah. the best way to do that? Um, I am at Erin Faulkner on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And then my blog is at Pick the Brain uh, for all of those, all of those handles. But yeah, you can just DM me. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. This was so fun. Thank you for listening, everyone. If you've enjoyed the show, please give it five stars and write a review. It helps my rankings and I really, really appreciate it. And if you're interested in my book to read or gift to a friend, it's called Show Up, Finding Love for Independent Women, and it's available on Amazon. Have a great day.